0: Continuing my series on the fruit of the Spirit that I started last week. And this is a series where we look at what a Spirit-led life is supposed to look like so that we can test our life to see whether or not we are being led by the Holy Spirit. And we get a good look of what a spirit-led life is supposed to look like in Galatians chapter 5 verses 22 and 23. That says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And I highlighted last week that uh, these verses uses the phrase fruit of the Spirit rather than fruits of the Spirit, which is plural, and that implies that all of these different characteristics that are listed should all be a part of a believer's life that is walking in the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So last week we talked about the first three that were listed here, which was love, joy, and peace, and today we're going to be talking about the second three, forbearance, kindness, and goodness. So let's start with forbearance. Now, some translations uh, of the Bible use the word patience instead of forbearance, and I've decided to use forbearance because it—I it, think it gives a clearer definition of of what is being talked about here. And forbearance isn't a word that we really use a lot in today's um, world, so. I looked up the definition of it and the definition of forbearance is simply to refrain from something. You are refraining from a thing that you you don't want to indulge in, you don't want to be a part of, you're staying away from it. And so forbearance is a part of a believer's life. And so you might ask, well, what is it that we are refraining from? Well, let's look at some scripture that shows what it is that Christians would be refraining from. Beginning in First John chapter three verses six through nine says this, "No one who lives in Him talking about God keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen Him or known Him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin, because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning, because they have been born of God. And also in James chapter 4, verses 4-8. through 8. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So in both of these passages, we can see quite clearly what it is that a believer is to refrain from which is sin and temptation and that's really what forbearance is talking about when it's listed as part of the fruit of the spirit is being able to resist temptation in your life and so that's what makes it easy you know with each of these uh, characteristics I'm providing a question to test your life and see whether or not you have that characteristic of the spirit in your life. So, forbearance, it's pretty easy to ask the question to see if you are walking in that because you just have to ask yourself are you sinning? Like, do you justify a sinful habit in your life? Is there a sin? Not just do you sometimes make mistakes, not just sometimes do you fall short of God's will for your life, but is there a habit in your life? That you know is sinful, but rather than being repentant uh, of that, repentful, or trying to overcome that struggle in your life, you instead justify it and try to provide explanations for why you allow that sin to be in your life. And that's something that we can sometimes be really good at. If there's something in our life, Even though we know it's wrong, if we want to still hold on to it, we'll try to come up with excuses to justify why we have allowed that thing to stay in our life. And the same thing happens, um, say, if someone's in a relationship and they get involved with someone else and and now they're cheating on um, their significant other with this person or if they're married and they're having an affair, usually people will try to justify why they are having that affair they'll say you know well you know this marriage didn't have this or that or it made me feel this way and so that's why i have allowed myself to cheat on my significant other that's why i'm allowing myself to do these things that i i know is wrong but it's not my fault it's the fault of the other person that's an example of of Letting sin remain in your life and trying to justify it. And we shouldn't ever be in that position. If it's wrong, it's wrong regardless of the circumstances. And if you are practicing forbearance, you're not going to justify that wrong behavior. Instead, you are going to do everything you can to resist that sin and that temptation it doesn't mean that you aren't still tempted it doesn't still mean that that sinful desire isn't within you you still have that sinful spirit but you don't allow it to take root in your life you fight against it i think a great example of what that looks like is joseph when he was in potiphar's household and potiphar's wife started to come on to him pretty strongly, and Joseph probably could have come up with ways of, you know, justifying allowing himself to be with Potiphar. Well, you know, Potiphar isn't around. He's given me charge of the household, and, you know, his wife is part of the household, so I'll take charge of that. (laughs) There's, There's things that Joseph could have done to justify allowing potiphar's advances to continue you know he could have said well it's not my fault i wasn't pursuing this this is something that she wants so clearly um i'm not at fault in this scenario and she's not at fault in this scenario you know potiphar hasn't been taking care of her and and so i'm going to take care of her in ways that he can't you know just all these different ways that joseph could have justified allowing himself to sin. But instead, what's what happens is that he completely runs away from her so fast that he ends up leaving his uh, uh, coat that he was wearing behind, that she was grabbing onto. But he just books it, just runs out of the situation entirely because he doesn't want to remain in that area of temptation. He's not going to justify the behavior He fights against it. And that's what forbearance should look like. It doesn't mean that we never make mistakes. It means that we are repentant for those mistakes, for those sinful actions, and we don't allow it to continue. We don't justify um, having that sin in our life. And when we then have that attitude, the Holy Spirit can help us in that process to overcome that sin that we are wrestling with. That's one of the wonderful things about the death and resurrection of Jesus was that through that process, he overcame sin and death because he lived a life without sin. And so because that victory over sin and death has already been won, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we let our life be led by the Holy Spirit, it can help us to overcome any sin that we are wrestling with, and we need to do that rather than to justify it. And that's what forbearance means. So now let's move on to the next one uh, listed here, which is kindness. And kindness is pretty straightforward when we talk about, you know, just being kind to someone. Most of us understand what that means, but I want us to get a biblical definition of what. Kindness really is. So let's begin in Romans chapter 11, verse 22. And this passage of scripture is talking about how Gentiles are now equal with Jewish people under the new covenant. There's no longer Jew nor Gentile. We are all uh, able to accept the price of sin that Jesus has paid for us. It's available to everyone. And so it uses this, picture of branches being grafted onto a tree, you know, branches from different trees that are, are tied onto a different tree so that it joins with that tree. So it's using that analogy and it's verse 22 of Romans 11. says, consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God, sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. Talking about how God has been kind to us and we need to continue in that kindness in order for God to continue to be kind to us. And I think that mirrors mirrors what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six, verses 14 through 15, where he says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So Jesus is kind to us, provided that we continue in his kindness, otherwise we're cut off. We need to forgive others the same way God forgave us, or else God will not forgive us. And Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 also uh, ties together kindness and forgiveness says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And you could almost read that as, be kind and compassionate to one another. How? By forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And so in all of these passages, we're seeing this connection between kindness and forgiveness. Compassion and a willingness to forgive. And so that's the definition that I want us to see when it comes to kindness in this context, is kindness is essentially having a willingness to forgive. It's not about just being nice to people who are nice to us. It's being able to be nice to everyone, no matter how they treat us. And especially when people then become repentant, that we show to them the same kindness that God showed to us. That God was willing to forgive us when we realized um, the weight of our sin and the wrong that we had done against God. And then we became repentant and asked God for his forgiveness, and God forgives us. We need to show that same kind of kindness to other people when they are repentant as well. And so that then leads us to the question to see whether or not we have kindness in our life, which is, is there anyone you hold a grudge against? Is there someone that you will never forgive, you'll never let them off the hook, and you remain constantly bitter towards them? They have wronged you, and they need to pay. And even if they're sorry about it, it's too late. That time is gone. What's done is done. It's over. Do you have anyone like that in your life? Someone that you will not show kindness to even when they are repentant. And anytime I think of of that forgiveness to someone that has wronged someone else, oftentimes I think of Corey Ten Boom. And if you don't know who she is, she was someone who helped uh, hide Jews from the Nazi party. And because of that, she was thrown in a Nazi, Nazi camp where I believe her sister uh, died in that camp while she was there. But she survived that experience, uh, Corey did, and she would travel all over the places to you know different churches and share her story. And there was one occasion where, after she shared her story, a man came up to her to shake her hand, and it was one of the Nazi guards in the prison camp where she was. And she had just got done talking about how you know God forgave her sins, And there standing in front of her was someone that she was wrestling with shaking his hand because she wasn't sure whether or not she could forgive him for what he did to her. And eventually she overcame that because he was asking for her forgiveness And the man even talked about how God, you know, he he had realized all of the wrong that he had done and asked for God's forgiveness and knew that God had forgiven him and asked if she would do the same. And she had to decide at that moment, was she going to continue to hold that grudge against him and that bitterness in her heart? Or would she show to him the same kindness that she had received from God and that God had given to him. And who was she to not forgive someone that had been forgiven by God? To do so would put herself in God's place. And so it was extremely difficult, as any of us could imagine it would be, but she was able to forgive him. And in that, she she so, showed him kindness. And we need to be do, willing to do the same in our own life. And obviously, I don't have any examples from my own personal life that is on the same level as, as Corey Ten Boom. Um... But it hasn't always been easy for me to forgive other people. And there's one time in particular, as many of you know, I was a youth pastor at a church for a couple years, and I was let go from there. And even in the process of being let go and some things that were said to me and the way that it was handled with the congregation, there were a lot of things that happened that I disagreed with and I think was not handled correctly or tactfully and I remember my wife was so upset about a lot of it and she really wanted me to just completely cut ties with this church and the pastor because she was so upset about um, the way that I was being treated um, in the process. And I was invited to, you know, to coffee with the pastor who let me go. And rather than holding on to that grudge or holding it over his head and, and burning that bridge, I did go and, and met with him. And I even ended up uh, preaching at that church another time because uh, he asked me to do so. And it was difficult for me to do that. But one of the things it did was it allowed me the opportunity to present to him the things that I felt slighted by in that process and to recall things that were said that were especially hurtful to me. And and when I did that, he he realized that maybe that wasn't the right way to handle it and, and that he had said things that were too harsh. And, and so he did apologize for those things. And I was able to forgive him. And, and so because of that, I haven't burnt that bridge. And he's someone that I can still reach out to uh, if I ever need help. And he knows that he's still on good terms with me. We're still on good terms with each other. And and that's, you know, it's, it's never easy to do that with someone who has hurt you. But that kind of restoration is what we should desire. Because that's what God desires. And that's what the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us desires, and if we listen to the guidance of the Holy Spirit, it will cause us to also desire that restoration with others so that we can be on at least good terms with them. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends or anything like that, but you no longer have to carry that weight and burden of holding a grudge and bitterness against them, and instead you can be restored to them and with them and have that restoration and return on good terms with each other. But you have to have that willingness to forgive. You have to be willing to show kindness to someone that maybe you don't want to feel kindness to. But that's what God has done for us. And when we follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit, That is what we will do with others as well. Always being willing to forgive when people are repentant. So that's forbearance and kindness. And the last one we're going to talk about today is goodness. And goodness is something that seems really vague. Like, well, isn't all of these other things kind of tied up in goodness? You know, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness. Those are all good things so so what does it mean then to have goodness in your life and how is that different from say being kind to others or loving to others? How is goodness different than that? what what makes it stand out from all of the others? So again let's look at some passages of scripture that talk about goodness. So Mark chapter 10 verses 17 through 18. Says, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. And I love that reply that Jesus gives. No one is good except God alone. Which is important because some people talk about you know, well, I'm a good person. Usually if you ask them, you know, are you going to heaven or do you think you're going to heaven? They say, well, you know, I'm I'm a pretty good person, so I think I'll go to heaven. But Jesus says, no one is good except for God. Only God is truly good. And the other passage I want us to see is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. So this is saying, yeah, there is freedom in life. You can make your own decisions, but not everything you do is beneficial or constructive. And rather than looking for things, That are good for you, you should be looking for things that are good for other people as well and kind of have that selflessness. And in that way, you know, we we will never be completely good, but we can follow the one who is good, who is God. And, And that's really what goodness is, is setting a God level standard for our life. And obviously, a god-level standard is not something that we will ever achieve, but it is something that we should continue to strive for. And that's really what sets goodness apart from forbearance, is forbearance is just you know resisting temptation and sin, and avoiding the things that we should avoid. But goodness is then uh, setting that bar for our life even higher and continuing to strive for that level that God is calling us uh, to strive after. And so we have to watch ourselves and not just think, well, I'm a good Christian, I'm a good believer because I don't do X, y, and Z. If we truly are a good believer and we're filled with the goodness of Christ, we will be be continuing to set new, standards and goals in our life and so that leads us to our question to see whether or not we are practicing goodness is when was the last time you set a new goal in your spiritual life has it been a while are you continuing to set new goals trying to be a better person not just for your sake but for the sake of other people Because if we're truly going to be a good believer and filled with the goodness of Christ, then we have that God-level standard we need to be striving for and we'll never reach it because it is perfection, but we need to keep moving closer and closer to that. And if we have uh, met a goal in our life, then we need to set a new goal um, afterwards. You know, it's very much like what a sprinter does in a sport, right? If if somebody's a sprinter, they're trying to get the best time they can in a run, and if they hit the time that they were shooting for, they get that goal that they set. They're not just going to be happy and say, "Well, I guess that's it. I'm, I'm a good sprinter now. There's nothing left for me to do." No, of course they're not going to do that, especially if they're going to be a good sprinter. If they've hit that goal, they're going to set a new one, a faster time. And they'll con- they'll continue training now for that new goal that they have set. And that's the same kind of attitude, mentality that we should have in our spiritual life as well. Not just, oh, I'm not doing these sinful things and I am pretty good where I'm at. No, no one is good except God. Set a new goal. Continue to strive to be More like Christ. That is what will make you a good person and a good believer. But just not doing bad things, practicing forbearance, isn't what makes you good. You know, if what if I applied that standard to my marriage? What if, you know, if if I'm talking about Audrey, my wife, who I think is a wonderful person and a great wife. If I was to tell someone why I thought she was such a good wife, I wouldn't just say, well, you know, she doesn't cheat on me. Um, She doesn't yell at me all the time. She doesn't throw things at me. So that makes her a good wife. Well, no, that doesn't really necessarily make her a good wife. It more of just makes her not a bad wife, right? If she's, she she shouldn't be yelling at me. She shouldn't be cheating on me. She shouldn't be throwing things at me. So the fact that she doesn't do those things isn't what makes her good. It's just what makes her not bad. If she did all of those things, she'd be a bad wife. And so if she doesn't do all those things, that doesn't make her a good wife. That just keeps her from being a bad wife. And so if I was then to talk about, well, what makes her a good wife? I'd talk about how she cares for me, how she offers to, you know, do things for me, how she helps me out, uh, and all the different things that I do. That's what I would talk about to show that she was a good wife to me. And so if we're thinking about, well, am I a good Christian? Don't just think, well, am I not doing all of these bad things? But think, am I setting new goals for my life and working to be better and better and better for God's sake and the sake of others. Because if we are walking in the Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit will push us to continue to better ourselves for other people. And that's what it means to have the goodness of God in our life. So that's forbearance, kindness, and goodness. And if we are led by the Holy Spirit, we will have all three of those things in our life along with love, joy, and peace. If we're led by the Holy Spirit, we will overcome sinful habits with forbearance. We'll desire restoration with others because that's what kindness is, and we will continually better ourselves for others for goodness in our life. So, that's the second part of this series forbearance kindness and goodness and it's something that we should all characteristics that we should all have in our life if we are being guided by the holy spirit so this has been another sermon in the pocket thank you again for listening as always if you have any comments or questions about anything i've talked about or even some other subject you can contact me either through the sermon in the pocket facebook page or you can email me at sermoninthepocket at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And I encourage you to share this with others to help kind of get the message out there. But until next time, thank you again for listening. And I pray that God will bless you as you go throughout your day.